Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Just let it play an extra beat. It's a great song. Diesel. Sausalita Summer Nights. Ten minutes after eight on Wisconsin's Morning News, a Monday morning. Justice may be blind, but we're not, which is why I think Eric is onto a great idea. Ah, I think I think yes. I'm all on board now. I think you got me complete Thank support for Thank this. Thank you. It would require, I believe, a constitutional amendment, like a change to our constitution here in Wisconsin. But Therefore, we would... it will never happen. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Well, it'd be hard because you'd have to convince and you never know who's going to be in power years down the road. A constitutional amendment takes at least four, five years to happen because in order for us to change the constitution in the state of Wisconsin, you need to have a proposal or a measure, if you will, pass subsequent sessions of the legislature. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it means it has to pass the Assembly and the Senate in one session. Those folks are elected every two years, at least in the uh, Assembly so then it would have to pass that next session two years later yep. and then goes to a referendum before the whole uh, state and be approved by the voters. So what we're talking about here is, and I led by saying justice is blind, but we're not, in terms of how we choose our judges, particularly in the case that I want to discuss right now, the United uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court. In the state of Wisconsin, Supreme Court justices are elected to 10-year terms. They are elected by the people by a majority vote in our state, and we have the primary for that coming up tomorrow. We have on the liberal side uh, Judge Everett Mitchell from uh, the Madison area from Dane County and Judge Janet Protosiewicz from here in Milwaukee County. They widely regarded to be the liberal candidates in the election. The two conservatives running would be former state Supreme Court Justice Daniel Kelly and Waukesha Judge Jennifer Doro, you remember her as having presided over the Waukesha Christmas Parade trial. So those are the four. We vote tomorrow. We whittle it down to two. It's largely believed that one conservative, one liberal will emerge. Usually that seems to be what happens. And then everyone votes just basically upon ideological beliefs of what the legislature may or may not try to do in the next session. So Eric would like to see us just appoint the judges. Yes. And many states do that. I was trying to get some, I mean, some states, every state has its own rules on its high court and somewhere in the neighborhood of at least half, if not more, states have an appointment process. I imagine in most cases it's the governor of the state who appoints judges, just like the president appoints judges to the U.S. Supreme Court. And then there's a confirmation. Right? Yes. You, gotta, you have to have lawmakers in the Senate confirm that and say, okay, this looks good. And what you have then is certainly a greater empowerment of the position of governor in Wisconsin among the states has our governor enjoys some of the greatest authority among our 50 states. We have a very powerful governor's office. The governor with a line item veto has a lot to say about the budget process, things like that. The governor ha- enjoys many privileges in Wisconsin that some states do not, but one of them is not to appoint judges, but for vacancies. So you must say, Oh no, didn't governor, so-and-so appoint this person, or didn't Governor Evers appoint? Yes. If there's a judicial vacancy, the governor then steps in and appoints that. And that's what happened with Kelly, right? Didn't Walker do that when he was governor? Yes. I can't remember. Was it, maybe was it Shirley Abramson who left, who was longtime um, chief justice of the Supreme Court, whatever. There was a vacant seat prior to an election. And yes, Governor Walker was the one who appointed Justice Kelly. Then at the time, I believe he served about two years or so. Ran for election then for a full 10-year term and then was defeated Mm -hmm. in that. Now running to be back on the high court. But Eric's point is, why don't we just have the governor 
go ahead and appoint these positions. Right. If we have a governor, a sitting governor, whoever that may be, appoint the positions, and then you have some kind of confirmation process, is that less politicized than turning it into what it's become, where we have donations after donations. We have all these people coming in, playing a role. You have donors who eventually may be trying a case before these judges. We've turned this into more of a political thing anywhere where we're legislating from the bench as it is. Why not try to eliminate some of that and not have these judges become candidates, which is what they've become. I mean, look at the the video, the commercials, and it just is... What am I watching here? These are judges, and they're they're doing the baby shaking, you know, shaking the baby. <laughs> that's not <laughs> yeah, what they're doing. I certainly whoa, hope not. Whoa, that would whoa, they're kissing the baby. Probably make they're for a bad commercial. No, right. Boy, kissing that, the baby, shaking bad the hands. Political strategy on that one. Yikes! No, but you know what I mean. They're doing all of that. They're walking the parades and all this type of thing. And that's what. What are we doing? Why? Why do we have to have our judges be politicians also? I think there's no question that the process would remain political because all things are yes, political. Yes, of course. But you would remove the politics from the individual judges or justices to be, and at least that gets them out of that realm. I would also add, too, that what we learn from them in these candidate forums, in these conversations, is very little because they all try to dance around, although some not so delicately this last time around, between I can't tell you how I'm going to rule on any particular case. And that's actually in the judicial code, although uh, Judge Protosewitz has come under criticism by indicating essentially which way she would rule on things like uh, the legislative maps, on, I believe she's spoken out against Act 10 and other things, basically flat flat telling you, not so much dancing around, but flat telling you, yeah, you bring this up before me, this is the type of ruling that I'm going to give. They're not supposed to do that. But those but who that's don't what do it, turned it into. Those who don't do it directly do it indirectly, right? And don't we just invite that sort of thing if we're trying to learn about them? And are we wrong as voters to want to inform ourselves to how they would rule? Like it feels like a game that we're all playing, even though we don't want to admit we're playing it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like over the years, especially, it's become more of they're just a state lawmaker. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> what they are. And we can predict nine and a half times out of 10 where they're going to rule on each in any given law or, or, or case that gets presented before them. And many times I feel like the legislature may or may not just kind of lazily wait for them to make a ruling on something instead of actually leading and coming up with a you know, plan on their own. Oh, let's just lean on the, you know, the, the justices to do it. No, no. That, doesn't this eliminate some of that? If you have a sitting governor appoint and then that sitting governor knows okay well i got to make sure that everyone agrees that this person's going to be okay that you know they're going to accept this person sure. so depending on who you know what caucus is in charge or wh- where the governor is sits politically like the, all that then comes into play and then we as voters you know one of the things that propelled president trump to his unlikely victory in 2016 for a lot of people who weren't bent on his cur- or weren't sold on his conservative credentials when he gave out that list of judges or published said these are the list of people that i would consider appointing to the us supreme court and people who were concerned about his conservative bona fides looked at that list and said oh these are all people I would get behind. If he can do that, I would get behind him. Sure. At least it allows us as voters then to evaluate position of governor on that. This governor is going to appoint these kind of judges. This governor is going to appoint those kind of judges. I think you're onto something. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk and text line. 855-616-1620, Old National Bank, get old. Commence oh. primary ignition. He got me. 
Ought Wisconsin move to a system where the governor has authority to appoint judges to the state Supreme Court as opposed to us voting in these elections, one of which is coming up tomorrow? Back with your responses right after this. Eight twenty-one on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eric Bilston and Vince Vetrano here rewriting Wisconsin's Constitution for you to make this a better state. You're welcome. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> I do think you're onto something. I don't think it's without its its own set of problems, but I would be interested in exploring the idea of our sitting governor appointing justices to the state Supreme Court as opposed to seeing them run for election every 10 years. From the 262, I disagree on governor appointing. We should stop the money and the stupid ads. Money is controlling our elections. It has to stop. See, but don't you think that makes the case for this? Yeah, because it would eliminate some of the ads. No need to run ads from outside groups. I mean, I suppose they could still run ads saying, tell Governor Evers to appoint this guy. But you'd have a lot less of that. And you'd have less worry about those ads influencing the individual justices once they get in there. From the 414, problem is that in this state, our governor has nominated tons of people to positions and the legislature refuses to debate or approve them. Well, right, that. we can't agree on a DNR person or a, what? how many other vacant right. positions. If we take right. away elections for judges, as things stand, we would never get anyone on the bench. <laughs> we just have 38,000 cases piling up for these state Supreme Court. The legislature, this from the 262, the legislature would still be required to supply at least some approval in the name of checks and balances. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. That's, that would have to happen. Voss could just deny the appointment and we would be like the national Supreme Court. Yeah, I wonder if there's ways to avoid some of those loopholes in there. Yeah, and maybe instead of a two-thirds majority in approval, maybe you'd go a simple majority, how, however that would have to be. And like I said, I'm open to exploring it. I'm not there yet. We need to see the particulars, look at how other states do it, what's their success rate. And right, I have no interest in an ongoing stalemate. I don't like to see that at the federal level either. Sure, of course. I mean, I generally think that the the hallmark or the threshold ought to be you know, when, when you're the legislative body, but not your party is in power, they're going to appoint people that you'd rather not have on the bench, of course. But at the same time, then the the criteria ought to be about whether or not this judge is capable, whether or not this judge is competent, what are that their judicial credentials, not their ideology. And who knows, maybe this uh, de-radicalizes some of what we have seen. Maybe this makes them more potentially moderate than they usually are. And if that's the case, then you can't rely on the high court to make a decision for you, like I think sometimes we often do. We rely on the court to decide something, and we put all this money in these races instead of actually just creating the policy, legislating. Now, we're cashing the checks here at Good Karma Brands. Oh, yeah, we <laughs> are enjoying are coming You're right. In. You're right. And you've noticed them on the airwaves. I like this from Rick in Norway. What drives me crazy about the election of Wisconsin justices are the commercials ads that tout a candidate's political affiliations as a conservative or a liberal. Justice is supposed to be blind to political affiliation. It's way out of control, in my view, along with the dark money that is brought in to pay for the ads. And this process doesn't make judges any more conservative or any less conservative or more liberal or less liberal. They still stand where they stand. It just takes them, the actual people, out of that process. See, yeah, I wonder about that too, though. And I'm, I'm, you know, you often wonder how can you, how can you not pull yourself from a decision when you know that some of the donations that are coming in are for a party that is now 
presenting a case before you. You know what I mean? Like how? Yeah. When, we're talking what about, about recusing yourself. We're talking about a lot. There's a lot of money. There is a lot of money going into these races. So that, that doesn't play a role at all. When you and I could probably more than nine times out of 10 pick how each justice is going to go. Well, and the one we have on the high court who you don't know which way he's going to go <laughs> yeah, is the only the one. one of the seven whom you don't know which way he's going to go. And he gets ripped all the time from people who thought they had a stalwart conservative. Another, in there. another legislator, yes. essentially. <laughs> and that would be Brian Hagedorn, who more often than not still votes with the conservative alignment on the high court, but once in a while we'll cross over yeah. and he just, his take has been, which every judge says is his or her philosophy. I interpret the law as it was written, not about ideology. And yet you see far right, far left. And the guy in the middle, he's the jerk mm-hmm. <laughs> who actually apparently reads the stuff and says, I don't know, this goes this way, this goes that way. So if we're not going to have a sitting governor select and nominate the high court justice, Come up with another idea, right? I have that solution for you next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight twenty nine on Wisconsin's Morning News. This text on the Old National Bank talk and text line eight five five six one six one six twenty. Old National Bank, get old. Feed the gerbil. You keep going off the air. Yeah. <laughs> What's going yeah. on, E? Well, I think Nibbles isn't getting enough food. <laughs> That's his problem. <laughs> it was the weekend. Nobody was around. We forgot to feed the gerbil. Uh, engineers are, are busy working. I know we've been popping in and off. Our, our broadcast's been going in and out the signal here the last few minutes. So trying to get on that here. Well, that trying being the case, you've missed a really quality program here this morning. Yeah. Eric and I with our learned commentary on, I, I do think and would support an exploration of, and there's no actual official talk of this. It was just couple of guys in here talking. Not even close. But what if instead of electing judges, we had the governor appoint judges to the high court in the state? We have the primary coming up tomorrow for potential Supreme Court justices that feel whittled down to two. Now, I've mentioned that one of the complaints I have is you don't get much out of the Rotary Club luncheons and the candidate forums and stuff from these folks. And Eric and I have another solution. If we're going to keep voting for them, then let's get a better look at who these people really are. And we think this is the way to go. From the producers behind your favorite political shows, including Debate Burns. Why is he turned against America? That's a burn about a burn. That's a second degree burn. And Candidate Feud. Name something politicians did that sucked during COVID. Uh, made me stay home with the wife. Comes the new hit show, The Judicial Games. All right. Let's finally do some justice by choosing our next justice. We start with the feats of strength as candidates will compete in the Courthouse Olympics. Events begin with the grueling gavel toss. Followed by approach the bench, press, and badgering the witness. Our top two candidates in the feats of strength then move on to judicial jeopardy. Go with things judges say for 100. The answer A judge makes this threat to an unruly witness. What is, I'll clear this courtroom. Sorry, no, candidate two. Yeah. Uh, what is, I'll hold you in contempt. That is correct. Candidate two, the board is yours. Okay, let's try bailiffs for 200. He served Judge Wapner on the People's Court. Who is rusty. Correct. Yes. Bailiffs for 300. 
This man is Night Court's witty giant. Oh, who is Bull? That's right. You choose again. I'll take Courthouse Cinema for 400 The answer. He can't handle the truth. Who is Colonel Jessup? No, that is incorrect. Candidate three. Who is Caffey? Lieutenant Daniel Caffey. Yes, that's correct. Great. Let's stick with Courthouse Cinema for 500 That's the Daily Double. In the scene from this movie, the attorney was actually referring to two people. To two Utes. Uh, uh, to what did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. What is a Ute? What is my cousin Vinny? That's correct. The judicial games culminate in a final freestyle event, allowing each candidate to show off a unique courtroom skill. Okay, so my talent is, I'll call it judgment drumline. And essentially, I use multiple gavels to bang out the beat. For the skills portion of the competition, I will steam seven judicial robes in under two minutes. I can show you my skill, but it has to be in chambers, if you know what I mean. And tired of those same old platitudes at the debates and still Rotary Club luncheons, let's see who's really got the Constitution to be our next Supreme Court Justice. The Judicial Games coming in February to WTMJ. Expertly produced by Greg Pancake Hill, the Judicial Games. I think, I think it's a good idea, Eric. Light of the, it up. Light of the it two up. ideas that we presented, which one is stronger? <laughs> I want to see <laughs> gavel effect. throw. The That's gavel I, toss. I, need that. I just want to scream hello. Nothing that says I can't let it play for a little bit, right? I know we're not FM, but 8.38 on Wisconsin's... Technically, we are on the FM, but go ahead. <laughs> That's true. What is it, 103 103.3. Okay, try that. Actually, somebody did text in, because I know we've been having some issues with our signal this morning. We got our best man on it, as we say, but uh, he did text in and say the 103.3 feed is, is solid. So mm-hmm. if you're in a position to switch over to the FM to continue consuming the quality content... We are bringing you here today. Please do so. <laughs> Good to have you back. Story in the news today recalled for me. Great moment in cinema. Matt Damon, one of my favorite films here. Goodwill Hunting. Do you like apples? Yeah. Well, I got a number. How do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> How you like them apples? Man, that is so well used. Like you can find a lot of places for that. Oh yeah. How you like them apples? So I wonder if there are some folks saying out in Wauwatosa this morning, well, how you like them apples? So you win. There is not going to be a high-rise built atop a very valuable piece of real estate at the corner of Highway 100 and Blue Mound Road. If you're trying to visualize that spot, and most that should probably do it for most folks. You, everybody's been through that intersection, one of the busiest in the state. Right by the zoo over there, right? Yes, across the street from the zoo, across the street from Moe's Irish Pub on the mm-hmm. other side. Mm-hmm. And then that one spot is vacant. Long time ago, it was the Eduardo's Pizza, and I yes. remember, yes, I was living. We were, I was a kid in Tosa when that thing went in, and it was tough to get in the place. 
And every, it's because it took an hour to get the pizza. To get done. there, right. You could get a normal pizza, but everybody went for like, it's not the stuffed crust pizza. It was just the stuffed yeah. pizza. Stuffed spinach. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And they told you if you were going to get that, like order right away because it takes yeah. 45 minutes to bake. But it was a novelty and it was very tasty. And that corner was hopping, it was super busy. But that's not really the point of the story. Point of the story is there's been nothing there for a long time. The guy who owns it is Johnny Vasallo. A lot of folks call him Johnny V here in Milwaukee. Owns the Moe's Irish Pub across the, uh, across the street. Same one downtown in Milwaukee. And, of course, Moe's a place for steaks. In the interest of full disclosure, as we talk about this, you know you've heard me do ads for Moe's a place for steaks. Great downtown steakhouse. I love it. I've endorsed it. And I acknowledge as you continue listening, my relationship with Johnny V. I like him. I know him personally. But I also am speaking honestly and have on this subject, which is I've also supported his plan as a developer to put a high-rise in that spot, acknowledging that that would be very different for Wauwatosa. There's only one place you can go in Tosa, though, right? If you're going to develop? Build up. And so, and, and if the folks in Wauwatosa don't want that, that's their, that's their choice. That's their right. And... A number of them who live in that immediate area fought against this proposal from Johnny V to build a high rise there. Now, he originally wanted it to be, I don't know if it was 22 or 24 stories, and folks in Tosa complained. Big. It still would have been, been big. Super tall. Still would have been the tallest building in Tosa. And folks complained. They went, ah, we don't want to. All right, all right, all right. What if we made it 22 stories or 20? He dropped it down. And they went, ah, he said, okay, all right, all right, I heard you. What if we made it? I don't know what he was at. Maybe 18, maybe 20. Dropped it down even lower. So he said, all right, fine. Here's what we're going to do. For those early proposals, he was seeking an easement to go outside of the current zoning. He needed a change there. And therefore, when folks opposed it, the city could say, no, we deny your permit application here for this easement. Well, within the zoning, he discovered that, all right, if I do some tweaking... I can actually have fewer people in it or less density, but build higher. So the end proposal that did get approved was actually higher than the lowest proposal or even the initial start, which was kind of interesting to me. All right, you don't like that? <laughs> back, to, back to our previous discussion about apples. All right, do you like these apples then? You don't like 20 stories? How about 28? Yeah. So that's where they left it. I actually, before I started working here, um, I think it was December of last, not last year, but the year before. I sat down with Johnny V talking about the proposal and uh, here's how he characterized it. We have designed um, a building that will require no city, state, federal monies and um, it stands on its own and it'll create a tremendous tax base. And uh, if you like tall buildings, it's a beautiful building. Well, still, apparently a lot of folks there didn't like tall buildings, or at least not right there. So there was opposition, and I want to let you know, too, that, again, at the time, that was before I was engaged in any sort of business relationship with Johnny V, uh, because I was still reporting the news for mm -hmm. TMJ4. Mm -hmm. And I also want to be fair in any story that I, that I report. So I brought to him some of the public comments that people had submitted. They're, they were available online, so you just had to do a little digging. And I read to him some of the things that people who lived in that neighborhood were saying about his project. Some of the things they wrote, not a good fit eyesore, grossly oversized for location, absolutely absurd, insane. One person wrote to express my shock, disgust, and dismay. I guess my question for you is, uh, is this a project where you disagree that it's a good fit, or does it not matter to you that there's this opposition? Um, it matters, obviously. You can't hear those comments 
as a human and not feel them. So he went on to say, like, I'm trying to work with folks here. I'm trying to be an honest actor. I have business interests there. I'm you know, a person who grew up here and I'm, I'm trying, we're trying to work it out. Ultimately, what happened was that project was approved, but then he got sued. So this neighborhood group formed and that lawsuit, I believe, is still pending. So why is this back in the news today? Milwaukee Business Journal reporting this morning that the project is out. They talked to Johnny V recently, and he said, I'm, I'm pulling the plans for the high rise. Here's his quote in the Milwaukee Business Journal. The neighbors really didn't want it. They proved their point. They did on their behalf a great job of having a lot of consideration on the project. So he said that was one of the things. All right. I don't want to come in here and just keep wrestling and right, fighting with Right, people. and then make everyone angry. And- right. So, okay, that said, and also what's transpired since the project was first approved and since it's been dragged out and dragged out and dragged out and dragged money, out. Money, 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 money. Things got a lot more expensive. Yep, yep. Supply chain, all of those sort of things, construction costs, and that's cited in the Milwaukee Business Journal report as well, that now the developers, Johnny V leading them, don't believe that they could still do get the return on investment that they would have without then asking for public subsidies, which is a non-starter and also not what he wanted to do with his project. So they've scrapped plans for now for Drew Tower. So, okay, folks, their win. But back to our earlier conversation about how you like apples. One of the points they kept raising is if we add this residential tower and have some other businesses in there, it's going to increase traffic, which I always kind of found absurd. You're at the busiest intersection in the state of Wisconsin. You're right by the busiest interstate freeway, and that whole cross-section there, you have Highway 100 and Blue Mountain, and you're sandwiched in an already very busy corridor. Like, what more increasing traffic were you concerned about? But now, in place of what was going to be a high-rise, you have... The seller now planning to build a Tommy's car wash on the property. I think there's going to be some traffic around that thing, <laughs> like a day like today. First nice day. Car's all full of crud. The line's going to be out onto Blue Mountain Road. <laughs> Told the Milwaukee Business Journal he's already run the idea by city officials. He'll soon be seeking permits for the build. MBJ says the development would represent now only about 10% of the property value of the high rise. It's not a bad thing, right? Yes. <laughs> That's one of the other things that I was in it for. And again, I don't live in Wauwatosa anymore, but I thought the Tosa's landlocked. Only place to really develop, unless you're knocking things down, is to build up. So Tosa has to decide, do we want to continue to grow? And how are we going to grow our tax base? This would have brought new people into the community, high-end apartments with people you know, out there spending money at local businesses, yeah. and also new property tax revenue, which they miss out on, but... You got the car wash. You like apples? Yeah. I got a number. How do you like them apples? I was at a thrift shop up north, and I seriously think I bought like this Sounds of the 70s, like disco era CD for a buck or whatever it was. 
This you song overpaid. Probably get that for thirty-five cents. <laughs> probably this song and Car Wash were both on the same disc. That doesn't surprise me. So there you go on Wisconsin's Morning Two News. Two of the best. Speaking of up north, you're back from up north there. Yeah, about as high up north as you can get. So yeah, we're up near the Hayward area, which was awesome up there, ice fishing uh, with a bunch of buddies and sons. So it was boys Dad's weekend. and lads trip. Yeah. Okay. Left Thursday when we had that snowstorm here and got through it and actually saw the sun by the time we got halfway up the state. You were going in the right direction. Yes. Northwest of the city mm-hmm. was good, and that's which way you were headed. Absolutely. And then I uh, came back yesterday. So Where did you stop for eats on the way? Uh, on the way back, it was kind of boring. In Toma, we were just at a subway, so that's, okay, not, that's, not, exciting. that's not too exciting. And then on the way up, actually, we made it up there for a late dinner, and we were just at a... Total hole in the wall, bar and grill, which was fantastic. Way up yes, there. that's what Lost I'm looking for. Those that's are the, what I'm talking those about. Those are the places we like to go. So yeah, it was so you went okay. So you went interstate all the way through Toma, as opposed to going up 39 and then over that way. Correct. Okay, so I was going to suggest, and somebody told me this joint was closed. The Paul Bunyans in like Manaqua area, Woodruff. Oh, okay. Paul Bunyan's cook shanty. If you're ever up through there, through that way. All but somebody right. told me Something the place up there, up there is closed. There's one outside of the Dells as well. Closed all the time, or just right now? Like it's been closed Seasonal? for a while. No, now's the time to go because like nobody's there. Right, of course. Yeah, that's when you want. That's when you want to head to the cook shanty. So the uh, the as far as the ice goes, I, you were worried about all the kids being there. You thought that all the boys on ice for two days. Seven minutes in. (laughs) We almost done for today. Now, my two are a little bit older, so they didn't really have any issue. In fact, I thought all in all, the age group ran from like 10 to 16. Okay. I thought it went great. Good. Good, good, good. It was a great weekend. Everyone caught a fish. Everyone had a little bit of fun. I did catch up with the little guy to ask him about it. This was one of the youngest on the trip. Ice fishing. What's the best part? Um, Probably getting fish. Have you had a great time then? Have you been getting fish? No. Just got one yesterday. What do you do in the meantime while you wait? Do you think about other things? or? I guess. What do you think about? I don't know. <laughs> Are you ever bored? Kind of. What do you do when you're bored? Think. Think about what? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, didn't we just cover this? Per- exactly the interview I was expecting for you to bring back. <laughs> and that was while he was fishing, by the way. Doing a great job there. Here, I wanted to bring this to you because the, the ice, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the ice makes sound. Lots of different sounds. Some creaking, some expansion sounds, some freezing ice, making ice sounds, if you will. And some of that is very unique. Listen to this. That's the ice. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's not like the alarm? <laughs> no, no. It's not. off the ice. I mean, you're talking about ice that's like 14 or 15 oh, inches thick. you're good. You could drive out on that oh, if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, we didn't, but yeah, yeah, I suppose maybe you could. I mean, it's been a weird winter all the way around, so I didn't see any vehicles other than like some ATVs or snowmobiles on the ice. Uh, most people keeping their F-150s <laughs> off the ice these days. But yeah, I mean, essentially, you probably could pull that off. Um, so I did ask the little guy about that. Have you heard the ice make any sounds? Yes. What does it sound like? Just like that. Yeah, you hear that? Boom. Boom. What does that mean? Anything? Yeah. When it freezes. 
a pretty smart kid right that's, there. That's what he thinks about then when he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> the sounds <laughs> of the ice, of course. Yeah, that's what it is. So that you wouldn't go for that, huh? Hearing nuts that sound? would go nuts. <laughs> insane. I guess I could be out there for a little bit. It's not about it's not about the accomplishment. I, I mean, know. Yeah, that's part of it, but it's more of just the the camaraderie. Yeah. So like my favorite part is the tip ups. You put up the tip ups, which are basically where you put a little you put a hook in the water that's on a contraption, and then a flag goes up when you catch a larger fish, and then you go and you check and you see what you caught. So we pulled at least I want to say between the two days close to a dozen pike. Okay, out that's of the something. Water. And that's cool something. to see a big fish like that for a kid and all that. So and we were catch and release. We didn't keep any of them. So all in all, successful weekend. Boom, boom. 8.56 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Some of the folks texting in on the Old National Bank talking text line, Old National Bank, get old, that uh, indeed, as I feared, Paul Bunyan's cook shanty in Monaco remains closed. No. A folks that it closed during COVID just never came back. Love me, Monaco. I just discovered Monaco for the first time like five or six years ago oh. as a family, and we fell in love with it. Great spot. Always knew it was there, but never never got up there until later, later portions of our kids' Childhood, if that makes any sense. Because there's a diversity of stuff to do if you don't want to just fish. Right. right. You know, oh, which absolutely. My aunt and uncle, they've got a place up there in Boulder Junction, which is how we ended up as kids going up there mm-hmm. once a summer. And right. So if you if lake stuff isn't for you, you go into town, they got all the shopping you want to do, knickknacks and t-shirts and all that other junk, cool places to eat, stuff to do. They got a huge go-kart track out there. Go-kart, mini golf, video games. That's your. That's more Good your stuff. speed. And Paul Bunyan's cook shanty at least once, perhaps. It is uh, nine o'clock. Steve Scafidi is next on WTMJ. So, what's it feel like to finally to finally win this thing? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> no. That was worth the wait. All right.